Well, good morning. Good morning, Richland Creek. If you have your copy of God's Word for the last time in this series, would you turn to Philippians chapter 4 as we come to the conclusion of this study in the book of Philippians today. We'll be ending our time in there. And before we do that, can we say a word of thanks to our worship team and the choir that was up here leading us in worship today? Praise the Lord for that, to spend these moments singing His praises. Now, I want to mention a couple of things to you today as you turn in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 4. The first one is, uh, exactly a month ago today, uh, we had a wonderful new addition to uh, one of our church families. Many of you know uh, Pastor Stephen Moy and his wife, Crescent. They went ahead and jumped the picture there. This is a beautiful picture. This is their daughter, Sarah Joy Moy, who was born a month ago. Would you say congratulations to them? And this beautiful little girl. So little, little Sarah here, I got the chance to go over and see her and hold this little sweet girl. And so thankful for this family. Now, Stephen serves as our student pastor here at the Creek. And so many of you uh, interact with him and his family and so thankful for this uh, new addition. Now, I do want to talk to you also about the next few weeks here at the Creek. And so just a few things to mention as we kind of go into the holiday season. We've got Thanksgiving coming up, Christmas coming up, and say, what, what's, going, what's going on at the Creek? And so for the next couple of Sundays after, like I said, we're finishing up Philippians today, today the next couple of Sundays we'll be looking at gratitude. We'll take those Sundays to think about what we have as believers to be thankful for. And there's much of that. And so we'll take these next two weeks to look at that. And then we'll go into a, a four-week series looking at the Christmas story coming up on Christmas. And so that's, that's what we have as far as Sunday mornings. Also, many of you have been a part of collecting the, the Operation Christmas Child boxes. If you have put those together, you've been working hard on that, those are due back next Sunday uh, morning. So make sure you have those back to us uh, by next Sunday so that we can get those off to Operation Christmas Child. Also, we do have our ladies Christmas tea. That's on December 3rd. We are still looking for uh, hostesses and volunteers and participants. If you'd like to uh, be a part of that, I think we have the email up there, ladies tea at, at richlandcreek.com. You can email uh, that email and we would get connected with you to be a part of our ladies Christmas tea. A couple other things as we look to the holiday season. We have our Lottie Moon uh, International Missions Christmas offering. And so I'll be talking about that more in a couple of weeks. And then on December the 10th, we'll have our Christmas night of worship, us together as a body to, to worship together and to focus on Christ. And then finally, we will have uh, three Christmas Eve services on December the 24th at 2, 4, and 6 p.m. We'll be gathered on Christmas Eve as a church. So there's a lot coming up as we go into this holiday season. And so we want to make sure you're joining us uh, during the months of, of uh, November and December as particularly we celebrate our uh, Lord and Savior coming to this earth. Now, if you have your copy of Philippians 4 open, would you please stand in honor of the reading of his word? And we'll be reading in verse 14 and all the way down to verse 23. Now, there's two sections here we're looking at. Uh, the, starting in verse 14, Paul's going to talk about this gift that they sent to him. And we'll spend some time talking about that today and uh, this gift that was sent. And it's really a lot of the reason Paul writes the letter is to say, thank you for the gift you sent me. 
And, and then at the very end, we'll just read his final greetings to them as a church. So starting in verse 14, the word of God says, Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. And not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. For I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. A fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. And all the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. And the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we do thank you today for how generous you have been with us. God, you are a, a giving God. And we're so thankful for the many gifts and the many blessings we have both physically, but also spiritually, Lord, today. We're so thankful for what you have given to us. And so, Lord, help us to be just as generous and gracious as you have been to us as we give to you our lives and all that we have. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Maybe seated. You know, one of the greatest joys of my life has, uh, has been to be a, a parent. To parent children is a, is a great joy, a great challenge, but it's also one of the greatest joys I've ever had. Now, I don't know this personally, but from what I hear, there's even a greater joy to be found in being a grandparent. Any amens in this room? There we go. All right. You know, I hear you still get the blessings of the children without quite as much work involved. You know, I had the joy the other day of, it was a little, a little window of it for me when I got to go over to the Moy's house. I got to go over to hold this little Sarah and Man, you're holding a baby like that, so sweet and wonderful, and then I gave the baby back. <laughs> I went home, I slept great, it was perfect, right? You know, when I remember growing up with my parents, whenever we'd go to a store or go somewhere, you know, you ask for a, a sucker or something you, you want from your parents, and you might get one, but but somehow now when my kids go with my parents to the store, they come out with half the candy aisle. You know, when somehow when you transition from parents to grandparents, the generosity towards your children changes. Bedtimes, nah, who worries about those, right? 
Healthy meals. Why do, your, why do children need healthy meals? There's a sense at which when you become a grandparent, it is all giving and you maybe don't have to worry about quite the rules you do as a parent. And I understand all the reasons why. But we as Christians, just like we maybe grow as parents, we ought to find ourselves, the more we grow in Christ, the more generous that we become. We ought to be more and more giving as we come closer to a God who gives so much to us. So today I want to talk about how God's grace causes us as believers to be sacrificial givers. To be, to be people who give to the Lord. And so we want to take a few moments and look at this gift that was transferred to Paul and how it affects us. Now, I figure I've been here six months now, so I guess I can talk about giving on a Sunday. I, I don't actually feel that way, by the way. Uh, you know, honestly, it's a, it's a challenging topic, isn't it? To get up and talk about being, being a giving Christian. I, I truthfully today feel uncomfortable a little bit with it. But we preach verse by verse through the scripture, and today we reach the end of Philippians 4, and it talks about giving. So we do what we always do, is we're going to take this passage, we're going to look at it, and we're going to examine our lives in light of the generous Philippian church. So why do we as Christians give? Like, why should we be people that give Here's the first reason from this text, is we give because we love one another. We give because we love one another. You see, our generosity is found in our affections that we have for each other. We give because we we love each other. Now, now, we've talked through the book of Philippians. There's this equation going on. There's God or Christ who, who's at the top, and then you've got at the corner the Philippian church, and, the, and at the other corner you've got Paul, and there's a bond being brought together between the three of them, and that's the gospel. The gospel brings all of us together. And so when that happens, lots of things come about because of it. But one of the things that's come about here is this bond has brought a gift from the Philippian church to Paul. It's arrived as a gift to him. And they gave it because they care about him. Look at verse 10, with, or, well, look at verse 13, 14, sorry. Verse 14, he says, yet it was kind of you. In other words, it was, you did a good job. This was a good thing you did. It was kind of you to share my trouble. Paul was miles away from them, but they felt the burden because they cared so much for him that his struggles and his needs were shared by them. That's what Christians do, right? When, even when there's other Christians that may be distant from us, we care about each other's Needs And this is the bond of the gospel, that we care about each other. And so this sharing of trouble, this bond that they have together brought about this gift. Look at verse 15. It says, and you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership 
with me in giving and receiving except you only. So let's, let's unpack that a little bit there. He says, when I left you, like last time when I was there and you all came to faith in Christ, you were a fairly young church. I mean, these believers hadn't placed their faith in Christ for very long. He says, when I left from the very beginning of the gospel and I went to Macedonia, I was run out of town. He said, you entered into a partnership with me, with giving uh, to me. So, so when this, this young church sees a, the benefits of this great missionary, they say, I want to help him. They feel as if now we benefited from Paul's ministry. He came into town, blessed us with the gospel. And so now that the gospel's reached me, I want to help Paul go do the same thing elsewhere. And their desire was to, to not just pray for him, but to support him. They wanted to do their part. Now, he says there's other churches that don't, but, but the Philippian church says we want to do our part. I don't know if you remember in school, maybe you're young enough in the room here, you're in middle school or high school or college, and inevitably, if you're in school for any period of time, there's, a, there's group projects that show up, right? You, you're, you're assigned by the teacher, and you work with a group of people, and each one of you uh, is there to pull your weight to get a particular grade, right? But inevitably, there's always that person in your group that doesn't do the work. You feel like you're dragging them along, right? They'll benefit from your work. They'll get your grade that you work so hard up. But then you think, man, this person's not going to pull their, their weight. And, and maybe you sit there and think about the group projects. You're like, I don't remember anybody like that. Well, if you don't remember anybody, it might have been you <laughs> that was a part of the group, right? You might have thought, man, this was great. Everybody did my work for me. That was the best part about group projects. But Paul says, you know what, there's this partnership of churches, and, and you as a church benefited from this ministry, and he says, now, when I left, you said it wasn't just, you weren't just a receiver in this, you were somebody who actually gave to this ministry. Notice the investment language at the end of verse 15. It's actually, it's transactional, it's money language. It's, it's thinking of like investing towards retirement or giving and receiving. Notice what he says. No church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. So, so you received the benefits, right, of the ministry of Paul. And so they said, we're going to make an investment as a church and invest into the ministry of Paul. Because their treasure was in heaven now, they now invested in something that meant so much to them. You see, these were churches that were willing to not only receive the benefits of ministry, but they were able, they were willing to give to the benefits of ministry. To Paul's point, if you're going to receive the ministry of the church, are you willing to give to the church? In a, he would say, you're not just a customer anymore of my ministry, you're now a partner in my ministry. He would say, you're not just a consumer of the gospel that I give, but now you are a co-laborer with me in the gospel. His point is that they gave because of this partnership they had together. They received the benefits of the ministry of the church, so they were willing to give to the church because they loved one another. 
You know, maybe um, if you've ever experienced this, uh, every once in a while, I guess I got to have a golf analogy, but here's one to think about. I enjoy a good round of golf, but if you ever play in a tournament, most times fundraising tournaments are in a certain format. It's, uh, it's called Captain's Choice. And when you play Captain's Choice, essentially there's four, four players on a team. Usually there's a really good one. And then all the way down to somebody who, you know, plays only in tournaments and never plays any other time, right? And whenever you go to play, you, you each four, if you don't play much golf, here's how it works. Everybody hits every shot, but you only take one ball. So three people hit in the woods, one person hits in the fairway, everybody goes to the fairway and hits that next shot. And there's nothing quite like coming off the tee, the first three teammates shanking the ball in the woods, and then there you are left holding the driver, thinking, it's all on me to hit the shot for our team. He says, when you received the gospel, you didn't just say it's just you on your own, Paul. He said, we jumped on the team, and we're helping press this forward. You see, you're generous because you're a part of the family of God. You benefit from the ministry, and so therefore you support and believe in the ministry of the church. See, we give because we love each other. But, but there's a second reason that Paul says you gave, that, that they gave to him, and we should give, is we give because we love the lost. We, we give because we care about people that don't know the gospel, people that are lost in our sin. In the same way, we, we see what God has given us in a matter of wealth, not as a means of making our kingdom big on earth, but, but as Jesus says in Luke 16, we see our, our means and our wealth as a, as a matter of being able to reach people for the gospel. That's why God has blessed all of us. It is for that purpose, for his kingdom to expand. So when Paul says here in verse 15, he says, you are partners with me in the gospel, it's actually bookending with a, a thing he said in the very beginning of the book in chapter 1, verse 5, where he says, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. So in chapter 1, verse 5, he says, you are a partner with me in the gospel. And then here in chapter 4, verse 15, he says, we are partners in the gospel, meaning, meaning that when they came, they weren't simply just friends and they thought, I like Paul. He's a nice guy. I'll give him some money. That's not what they thought. They thought Paul is about taking the gospel to these places. And so what I want to do is use what God has given me so that he might be the one to take the gospel wherever he goes. They were now co-laborers fighting to press the gospel. Look at verse 16. What Paul says here, he says, even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. So, so the church at Philippi gathered a gift and they sent money so the church at Thessalonica could be planted. What a beautiful picture right here. Because I was thinking about this as I was studying this week. You've got these impoverished believers at Philippi who don't have much. 
As best we know, they're not giving out of some great abundant wealth. And they're giving sacrificially to send Paul with the gospel to Rome and to Thessalonica. And down in the kingdom of God, there will be churches in Thessalonica and churches in Rome because of the sacrificial support of this church's gift. They saw their ministry as giving to the gospel. So, to press this further, I want you to see, in the Bible, when we give to gospel ministry, we give to the church. I know, just press into the Bible, think for a minute. Who sent the gift? Was it, thank you, and he lists four names of people with some means? He says, no, no, no. He thanked the Philippian church for that gift. It was a collective gift that came to Paul here in Rome. And you say, well, it was to Paul, but it kind of was to Paul. But notice who greets in the end of the, 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 uh, the conclusion here. Look at verse 21. He says, greet every saint in Christ Jesus. So he's saying hi to the Philippian church. Notice who's responding to this letter. The brothers who are with me greet you. He says, let me tell you, this is a thank you from the church in Rome. Even some people you might not expect. Look at verse 22. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. This is part of the reason we would believe that Paul's writing this letter from Rome, because he is there as part of the household of Caesar. So, so think about how far the gospel has gone. This proud Roman colony of Philippi has supported the apostle Paul. He has gone and traveled all over, and now he sits in Rome. He is imprisoned where he is close by, seems like with imperial guards by him, and now in the very household of Caesar, at the center of the power of the known world at the time, sits believers coming to faith in Christ. You know, this is, this is the mission that they saw is as they gave, they knew the gospel would go around the world. This is why we give to believe, as part of, part of the creek, is we're giving to support the ministry of this church because we want to see the gospel go to Wake Forest and Youngsville and all the area around here. We, we want to see the gospel go. But, but we also give, like even mentioned a minute ago, I mentioned the Lottie Moon Christmas offering, which uh, this is before I got here, but you gave last year the largest gift in church history. You gave over $100,000 last year to international missions to support the gospel to go around the world. This isn't just some idea we come up with. This is a biblical picture of sending gifts to support those who do the work of the gospel ministry. This is the heart behind what we do. So Paul was this missionary living there, and they're supporting this work of the gospel ministry. Okay, now we've, we've walked through this text for a moment. And I, I said on the front end, to be honest, um, giving and, and talking about this makes me a little uncomfortable. I, I, don't want, I want this to come across as is why you give. And many of you in this room, this is confirming. You're, you're very generous, generous with your, your money to the church and to the gospel ministry. And so now you should, should just be encouraging to you. 
that, that where you're investing your life is for the meaning of the gospel, that, that what the Lord has given you matters at least to something meaningful. And you say, this passage talks about how we're involved in putting our money into something that lasts. You know, I've mentioned before how one of my favorite, uh, you know, one of my least favorite places to go uh, is when my kids have a birthday party at the, the Chuck E. Cheese uh, place. So, you know, with the, anyway, y'all know what it's like. So, Whenever we go to, to Chuck E. Cheese, probably my least favorite part of the experience is after they have played a ton of games, they have received uh, large numbers of tickets. Everybody knows what I'm talking about. you got a stack of tickets, and it seems like 10,000 tickets buys like a pack of bubble gum, right? So you, you're piling all these tickets in. You walk, I mean, sometimes I've been there before, and you just look like you, you have a wealth of tickets, Right? And then you walk over to this counter and getting my, I have three children, so that's three different decisions we have to make on how to spend all these tickets. And so you're usually tired by that point. Anyway, I gotta, I gotta stop complaining about it. But you get up to the counter and you go to buy something with those tickets. And oftentimes, they're not the sturdiest of toys, right? You're, you're not getting the most valuable items for those tickets. I wonder, and, and this is where I just want to, I want to press you to think today. The Lord has blessed many of us in this room in different ways. I, I don't know how he's blessed you uh, w- with your life. And I just ask you the question, what are you doing with what the Lord has given you? Like when you're done at the end of this life, it, well, you have gone and spent all that you have, and it feels like, what did I actually ever invest in? And Paul's language here of giving and receiving is all about investing your life in something meaningful. And there's a few things that are going to last forever in this world. The Word of God's going to last forever. Men's souls are going to last forever. So as, you, as we invest as believers in the gospel... We make an investment in something that's going to last forever. So I just would ask you today, how is it you're investing your life? Let me give you a third reason to give, and these kind of build on each other, and this may be, one, may be the most important. We give because we love God. We give because we love God. Part of why this m- message matters to you is that ultimately... Our money and our worship are connected. You, you say, man, this, this preacher's laying it on thick, and he's talking about money a lot, right? This, you, you might think, is he really want, is, is it all about the money? Is that, is that what we're just trying to do? Is to just get more money? And it's, it's funny that Paul actually has already this in mind. It, the Philippian church, is, is he writes this thank you? Is that what he's saying? Just I'm just going to tell them thank you because they might send something else, right? I want, to, I want to manipulate this process. But Paul, he puts that to rest here in verse 17. Look what he says. He says, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your 
credit. He says, I don't bring this up because I'm seeking the gift. He said, there is a fruit and a benefit for you to your credit. You may not be aware of it, but there is a benefit given to you as you worship God with all of your life, with everything you have, including what you possess. You say, is, well, I possess really connected to my spiritual life. Absolutely. Jesus talks about it a lot. When Zacchaeus comes to faith in Christ, what does he do? He gives, and, he gives away his wealth. When the rich young ruler comes to Jesus and asks, what does it take to have eternal life? Jesus lays before him his his possessions were his God, and he wasn't willing to give those up. Oh, yeah, what you possess matters. And even Jesus will say it in Matthew chapter 6, verse 21. He says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. He says, so you need to lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. So Jesus knows there's a connection. Now, I think the reason that this subject's a little touchy is because there's so many preachers in this world that manipulate this conversation. They talk about sowing a seed of faith. You just need to give $1,000, the Lord will give you $2,000. You need to give this, and the Lord's going to bless you this way. That, that's absolutely not the biblical way to do it. You shouldn't be giving more and more money to somebody so then they can go and buy just a bigger private jet. That's manipulation, and it's been a terrible means by which people have taken the Bible and manipulated for people to give to gospel ministry. But that's not, what hap that's not what's happening with Paul here. He's, he's barely got any food, right? We, we've got a guy that's on the front lines of ministry, and he even says, I might be hungry, but I'm content with what the Lord has given me. And he says, you know what, even in my poverty, it's not about the gift. Even though it's nice, I'm sure Paul was happy to be able to eat. He said, it's about your worship. Press it further with me in verse 18. Look what he says. He says, I have my reward. I've received my full payment. And I've got more. He says, I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. So Epaphroditus brought these gifts. And then listen to what he calls the gift. He calls it a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. Their giving was worship. He uses this Old Testament language of a of a fragrant offering, a burnt offering that will be on the altar. And the thought is that when this offering is lifted up and the, the smoke comes up off of it, and the, it, it goes up and it's, it's a pleasing aroma to the Lord. The, the, the smell of this offering is pleasing to him. And he says, the, the smell from, from your offering, your gift to me, is, is pleasing to the Lord. Think about the, the pleasing smells. You may, you may have at your house right now a fall candle, an apple cider candle or something that you're burning in your house smells like Thanksgiving and fall. You may love the smell of fresh ground and fresh brewed coffee. It just, it just smells. It's a pleasing aroma to you. You might even love the smell. I did this the other day. If you cook bacon in the house, 
I, I even thought about crispy bacon, right? You don't want that flimsy stuff. It's a true burnt offering, right? You want that, you, you want this pleasing aroma to be going through your home. But it says that this gift is a pleasing aroma of worship to the Lord. And there's this fruit given to them, not only in their soul of being able to worship the Lord, and, and there's this fruit of it that is produced in the gospel ministry that goes out. You see, we don't give to earn favor with God. We don't give to pay back God. We don't even give to remove some guilty conscience. Just because you're here today, you come in, preacher talked about giving today, I just feel guilty. I'm going to give to get that off my conscience. It's, None of those are the reasons to give. We give because we worship him. But that, that's the reason to give to the Lord. And so this is where I wrestle over this, about how hard to press. I, I'm not telling you how much or what you should be doing. I, I don't know. That's, this is you and the Lord and the Holy Spirit. He, he knows. But, but somehow, by God's sovereign hand, here we are at the end of Philippians 4, Right? We're looking at this gift passage today. And I struggled with this at some point. I had, a, I had a friend of mine years ago tell me he came to church. He wasn't a Christian. And he said, I wouldn't go to church because I always believe every time I went to church, all they did was talk about money. And so I, I think, man, I, I don't want to be that. If you're first time here, you're probably not going to hear me talk about this for a long time again. <laughs> But at the same time, this is where I wrestle, that if I'm willing to get up here with the Bible and talk about how you worry, how you don't, you're not thinking about the Lord, if I'm willing to deal with other areas of your worship before him, why wouldn't we willing, be willing to deal with our giving as worship? And so this is a matter of your walk with the Lord, and are you willing to give to him? So I'll just ask this question and I'll move on past it, I promise. And we'll, we'll look at the grace of the gospel here. But I, I would just say to you, if you were to, to open your bank account, your life, and what the Lord has given you would, you, would you be able to say that I worship the Lord? I, I am generous for the gospel. That's where my life is built. That's what I do. That's what we ought to be able to say. And it's all because he's been generous with us. Here's the fourth thing. We give because God loves us first. That's ultimately the reason. is Because he has been the biggest giver. He's the model of what it means to give. Look at verse 19 and how it describes God. He says the reason... Is this gift is this worship because my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Paul makes this dramatic promise saying that there is nothing you truly need that God does not give you out of the abundance of his riches and provision for your life. Praise the Lord for that. 
So think about Philippians 4. We've looked, if you've been with me the past few weeks as we walk through it, we've learned to be content in whatever situation we face. We've learned how to think about the glories and the greatness of God. We've learned how to worry, not worry, no matter what we face, because we take those things to him. We are satisfied in Christ alone. And if that is true, we have a God who has given us out of the abundance of his riches for our supply. He's supplying both our physical and our spiritual needs. Now, Kent Hughes, when he looks at this passage, he's a, uh, a commentary writer on this, and he, he, he said, when it says, according to his riches, he said, it's like this. If I had a million dollars and I gave you a hundred dollars, I would be giving you something out of my riches. But if I have a million dollars and I come give you a blank check, I give you something according to my riches. And that's what God has done with all of his riches and his glories in heaven, is he has come and given you something according to the, the abundance of his riches. You say, how is it that that's the case? Now think at Philippians with me. Just this book, Paul's been making this point all the way through. In chapter one, he says, Jesus Christ is your gain both in life and in death. In chapter two, he says, let me tell you, there is a humble Savior that has come to this earth and he gave it all for us as he gave his life on the cross. And in chapter 3, he says, let me tell you about this great prize that is the Lord Jesus Christ. To know him, to know the fellowship of his sufferings, to know the power of his resurrection. That is worth more than anything else on this earth. And anything else compared to it is trash. <laughs> Praise the Lord for that. And then finally in chapter 4, he says, let me tell you, he is our peace. He is the greatest thought you'll ever have. And he is your strength for you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. And so when he gets to the end of this book, and he says, let me tell you that there's this abundant God who can supply all of your needs. To think about, to think about giving to him shouldn't be a thought at all. It's a natural flow of your worship of God himself. And he says it in verse 20, as he concludes, he says, to God, to our God and Father, be glory forever and ever. Amen. That's, that's the point of it all. To his glory. Verse 23, what does he say as he concludes? The grace, the gospel, the, the free giving God, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. That, that's the point is that as we find joy in Christ, it unifies us as believers in the gospel because we have a giving, generous, gracious God. And will you worship him today with everything that you have? Because he is a perfect God who came and gave his life for me and you. And when he humbled himself to the cross, as Philippians 2 says, every knee will bow and every tongue's going to confess that he is Lord. And if you're here today and you're not a Christian, just know we're all going to bow a knee to Jesus one day. It's just a matter of whether you do it today or whether you do it at the very end. Because he is King Jesus. Let's go to the Lord in prayer today.
Lord, we are humbled by how much you have given to us. Lord, we worship you today. Lord, I pray that that you would help us to worship you not just with our mouths as we sing, but also with our minds as we think about you, with our hearts as we trust you and not worry, with, with our lives as we give to you. So Lord, find us faithful. Find us to be people who give our lives over for the gospel. We pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen.